This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is a CW Spiral, a podcast run by two Barties and a Bughead. We're your hosts, Sabrina Reed, Michael Patterson, and Reed Gowden. Bringing you history about the network, the latest news, and in-depth spoiler-filled discussions of some of our favorite shows on the CW. Welcome back to the CW Spiral. As, well, you can't see it unless you're watching on YouTube, but as you can hear, uh, in a moment, it's just me and Reed this time because Michael is not on the pod for the just two episodes, though. He's not leaving us. We wouldn't like let him leave. Yeah, he's traveling. <laughs> he's coming <Yeah>. back. <laughs> he's coming back. Uh, but so we have chosen without a neutral topic this week for doing without Michael. And that's fun in the summer sun with the CW question mark. That's a very important part of that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because if you've seen the summer schedule, I don't think the CW believes in summer fun. But still looking for the fun. They're still looking for it. They need to find it quick. Um, but we'll launch into news first before we break down what exactly you can expect to be coming to the CW over the summer. Um, there is a fun little award show thing happening. MTV Movie um, and TV Awards which will be hosted by Vanessa Hutchinson, will be on Sunday, June 5th at 8 p.m. ET. The CW is part of the networks that will be simulcasting the award show. Now, I will admit I have not tuned into um, the MTV Awards in a hot minute. I don't know if they are must-watch television, but if you want to see Vanessa Hutchins host the show, at least put it on in the background. I'm sure that'll be fun, at least. There's some fun in the summer sun. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. Um, I don't know. I might tune in, actually, just to see what categories they have now. Um, it, the VMAs were always the award shows to watch for the drama, but now they're taking. Yeah. yeah, I haven't watched the MTV Movie and TV Awards. So now that it's on the CW, is this the first time they're doing that? That I'm not sure. Um, I know that the CW has been simulcasting award shows more lately than they had previously, unless it's just suddenly on our radar now because we're looking more into the CW. They don't advertise worth a darn. So perhaps they've been doing this for years and we were just unaware. Not to be cynical, but I think they, they just need ratings for these shows. So they're like, maybe if we put it on every network that we own. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Oh, that's so sad. I know. Uh, but it's, but, I mean, it's, it's, it's real. The award show ratings have gone down. I think people are, not to get too deep into that, because like, that's not what this is about, but like, people have lost their faith in award shows, I think. <laughs> well, that makes sense. Uh, artists aren't winning when they should be winning, and um, they're not fun, and they're always one long. So, I don't know. Tune in if you're interested. (laughs) Uh, But something that is of interest to me, actually, is that Javicia Leslie in a recent interview had said that she is open to reprising her role as Ryan Wilder and Batwoman in the Airverse. Now, granted, the Airverse is just the Flash right now. Um, But I mean, since she did make her Flash debut in season eight in the Armageddon crossover event, and she's best friends with Iris in that episode or the two episodes she's in. I want to actually see that be established in canon in season nine. So like Eric Wallace, do what you got to do. Get Javicia onto the show. Right. They need to do it at least for the fans. Some closure or just to see her again would be nice. 
Yeah. Or they could just make the friendship canon because it's technically not because that happened in another timeline. <laughs> That's since been erased. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> you you got to love The Flash. I don't know if you'll ever actually tune into The Flash, but just so you're aware, it took three seasons for um, Barry and Iris to get together. And I think the majority of their kisses were erased from time. So she was never aware they happened. That's but Barry did. <laughs> I have questions that aren't immediately coming to my head, but I know I have like a thousand questions. Yeah, that was like their, that was like their their um that was the trick they'd love to do. Whenever Barry and Iris seemed like they were moving forward, he would mess up the timeline and then he like, would not be able to get with her. JK. <laughs> yes. Every time it was infuriating. Um well. Uh, this was probably infuriating to Batwoman fans, but the Gotham Knights trailer dropped and the quality. Oof. Hmm, yeah. Left, not there. So, you left a little, a lot to be desired. I was going to say a little, but I feel like for certain fans, it left a lot to be desired. For somebody who's just like a casual, like this is out of my comfort zone, out of my like what I watch, watching it, the trailer, I was like, yeah, not doing a great job at pulling me in. <laughs> no, I, like so. First, the, the the decision to put it on Facebook first, like that confused Mess. me. Mess. <laughs> like for what audience? If it's a show geared toward like Gen Zs, which it seems like it is, uh, why would you put it on Facebook where like late blooming millennials are or have to be for work <laughs> <laughs> or um and like older adults are i guess don't that that wasn't the place to drop it why not just drop it on twitter Mm -mm. someone hit um like upload too soon on the wrong (laughs) social media platform can you imagine if it was on tiktok they would have gotten Ooh, they're ruthless in those tiktok comments and i can just like see it now if they had put that on tiktok maybe it is there i should i should look <laughs> oh if it is comments might be disabled <laughs> like, if oh, you can do that on tiktok because i don't know that's true um but what did you what are your key takeaways my key takeaways were that so the first thing i look at when i look at something um that i might be interested in is coloring coloring can make or break how i'm whether or not I'm going to watch the show. And I did not like that it was gray and gold, but you know, it has time to expand the color palette. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also it's like, so it starts weird. It starts like vampire diaries, at least in terms of like old mansion, gold lighting, someone is doing something they shouldn't be in a room. Um, And as a house party, it felt it was giving 2008, 2009, which would be fine if that, is the time period that is supposed to be set in, which I don't think it is. It's not fine if that if that's what it's given and it's 2022 and well, it'll be 2023 by the time it airs. And we're supposed to be hooked in. Like I like the golden era of the CW too, but that mm-hmm. doesn't mean I want a new show to be traveling back there. No. And I don't think mm-hmm. I was here for anybody else, but little Miss Robin. That's true. She was for me the I got chills in that one scene. I think, which, does she say she's Robin? Yeah, she's, um, she's talking to Hunter and she tells him, uh, obviously she's speaking about Batman, but she says, he called me his little Robin. And I was chills. like, I know her delivery. <laughs> uh, like, of course, I feel like the grieving storyline is going to go through her, which is a little weird because 
um, Turner is his adopted son, but it seems mm-hmm. perhaps he had a closer bond with Carrie. Yeah, that's interesting. But for me, she was definitely the the breakout, the, like the thing mm-hmm. that I, her character, the actress, she was like more present, I feel like, than any of the others. She was the one, the thing that was like pulling me in. Everything else, you're right, the coloring was kind of, kind of bland, kind of drearier than I was picturing when it was first announced. I don't know why in my head I pictured something that was really colorful and fun. And this was kind of not that. <laughs> no, it was like I feel like it's sort of it's trying to hook you into like Hunter Hayes. Is it Hunter Hayes? I feel like Hunter Hayes. Turner Turner Hayes. Turner Hayes is his name. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying Hunter. And I was like, that doesn't you said, sound wait, right. no, you said Hunter and I was like, oh I don't know what character she's talking about. And then you said Turner and I was like okay, I know that character. And then you said Hunter Hayes. I was like, country singer. (laughs) It is a country singer. Okay, Turner. Turner Hayes is Bruce's adopted son, not the country singer. Um, And I don't know. Perhaps I just need to see like a full episode to to get into his character. I know the description was that he doesn't quite feel like he fits into Bruce's world. And and the trailer is made obvious that he didn't know his dad was Batman. Um, so reconciling that could be an interesting storyline for him. I just not sure if I'm really here for these kids on the run who've been framed. So it, that could be fun, but it could be. Um, but yeah, about like Turner wasn't. Oh, I hate saying this, but he wasn't the most like interesting part of the mm-hmm. story that was presented in that three minutes for me. Like, as someone who doesn't know anything about that world, I was like, that's not the most gripping entry point for me like and I feel like we've seen these stories before and you're Mm. right it feels a little 2008 like the setup is a little dated and maybe I don't want to get too into it but that specific kind of character has been the lead in these shows before so I'm kind of like I know they're presenting it as an ensemble but he very much feels like the lead and um, I don't know. Mm-hmm. The, the three of these trailers, I, I know we like the Winchesters the most, but I want to say that these three trailers d- aren't great trailers. They could be great shows. They could be great pilots, but I don't mm-hmm. think these trailers presented the shows in the best light. I get that because Walker Independence was underwhelming. Um, I just for it to be the the show that was that's gonna set up a period piece on the CW like we're in the 1800s. I didn't immediately feel like yes, western. Um, like, and I want to find out what happened to Abby's husband and why the sheriff is a bad man and if he truly is uh, the one who killed her husband or if like Abby is supplanting that memory because she doesn't like um, the sheriff. But I'm not interested. I'm gonna tune in. Yeah. Um, to see if it actually is interesting, but the trailer didn't grip me. The Winchesters mm-hmm. gripped me, but I do understand um, from veteran fans being like, it's nothing like Supernatural. Yeah. Um, it's to me, it sort of gave, and I know people don't like when you say this, but it gave YA, like it gave young adult, like it, like this would be a book that was published um, to cater to the teen audience. And it would, it would blow up, it'd be big. And that's probably what the Winchesters is going to, what's going to happen with the Winchesters. But Supernatural fans are probably not going to like that there is a 
YA version of the show out here <laughs> for John and Mary. Yeah, it's so funny now that we have all three to see how I feel like all three of these shows represent like a completely different niche and different direction mm-hmm. for the network. And, and now that we've seen all three trailers, it's like, okay, whoa, we really see <laughs> on paper <laughs> what they're trying to do here. Yeah, the fall is going to be interesting. And then the mid-season will be as well. We'll have to see if Gotham Knights can rise to the superhero standards of the CW. They let the haters tell it. And they'll say all of it is trash, with exception to maybe Superman and Lois. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it doesn't need to be on the CW. I don't feel that way. I want to give it a shot. And then Michael left us his official statement yeah. about Gotham Break- Knights. Breaking a silence on Gotham Knights. Yes. Shall I I read it? (laughs) Yes, please. Okay, here's what Michael had to say about Gotham Knights. I've always thought that Gotham Knights had a lot of potential, both because of its connection to the Bat family and its intriguing concept. While I still do feel that way, the first trailer for the show did not highlight it. The concept remains intriguing to me, but I'm not particularly sold on the tone of the show or the unnecessary violence in the trailer. It felt bleak and joyless, and I don't like my superhero shows like that. You can only make a first impression once, and this felt like a miss, much like how the first Batwoman trailer missed the mark. Thankfully, Batwoman ended up being one of the best shows on the CW, so I hope that Gotham Knights can do the same. Here's hoping it manages to turn things around with a strong first season, because the show does have potential. I will absolutely be watching it, hoping for it to succeed every step of the way. Fair. Fair points were made. He made points. Very diplomatic. Very... um, Fair critiques. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's Michael's style anyway. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think, I mean, hopefully that is, that is, that will remain true. Um, it will be interesting to see uh, what the violence level is for Gotham Knights, if we're pushing it more than the other um, shows do. And I don't know if that's because we're, we're like, we're running around with teenagers or if it's being influenced by like the boys, but like the CW version. Um, where they're like, we can't show certain things, but we're going to try to push this TV 14 rating as far as we can go on broadcast. (laughs) Push the TV 14 rating. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) They might try just to be like, it's the most violent on the CW. Yeah. They're trying to be edgy. Oh, we don't need to be. It's okay. That's not what this network is. But like, like, like what Michael said, like hoping that this is just a, an awkward first impression and not the best one and then it can find its footing hopefully fingers crossed um and you know more material might come out um in the fall like in preparation for its 2023 launch and we might feel a little bit better maybe a better cut trailer will Mm -hmm. come out and um we'll have a different opinion i hope so we need it. We need something good. <laughs> we do because like, so when you think about the summer schedule on top of like just this trailer, I'm like, why am I a little depressed when it comes to CW right now? Um, Cause it's not, it's not looking that great. So we have Roswell, New Mexico season four premiering on Monday, June 6th. Now granted Roswell, New Mexico has fans. I feel like it's a, um, it's an overlooked show on the CW. Uh, it is, brings the drama. It brings the sci-fi fantasy because, you know, it's about aliens. And in the premiere episode called Still My Sunshine, 
all of the gang are at peace. You know, our, our romantic relationships are going well. We're finding new trajectories in our careers. Liz is teaching. Max is assisting an ex-partner in investigating some bank robberies. You know, crime is being done, but it's being investigated. Uh, and everyone is happy and they're thriving. So, of course, something is not going to last long. <laughs> it's not. So, Reed, whatever is supposed to happen starts with a storm. And I'm just like, okay, why is the storm going to mess everything up? But it is. Wow. I know. I mean, it could be interesting. I do think, though, that the wind has been taken out of this fandom sails because they're watching a season four and knowing it's the final season. And that's not how they were heading into the season. Yeah. That's true. That sucks. But yeah. I hope they, they're getting a like a proper finale, right? Yes. So the, the showrunner did heed the warning. So the show was going to be wrapped up in a way that should be satisfying for fans. Now, granted, what's satisfying to the showrunners and the writers isn't always what's satisfying to the fans and viewers. This is true. But, um, but hopefully it lands in a place where everyone is is good. We do know, at least, if it's going to be satisfying, we're not ending on a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. And hopefully the fans can look at this, these next 13 episodes, as like a celebration. It doesn't have to, it's bittersweet, but don't to be sad going into it. Like you still have 13 weeks to celebrate your favorite show. It it will suck when it ends. Like I'm going to go through it too with dynasty. Don't worry guys. (laughs) I know. Dang. Cause you started your season, not knowing that, but you were very cautious in your thoughts about a season six. So there's. Oh yeah. I've been cautious every year, every season that dynasty got has been a blessing. (laughs) (laughs) And it's going to end well too. They said so. I mean, that is great, and I hope that that is going to be the case for In the Dark season four, which is also premiering on Monday. Um, though things are starting out rough for Murphy, which mm-hmm. I mean makes sense considering the ending of season three. But the premiere episode is called Bales in Your Court. She is having a rough go of it because she has some danger waiting for her in prison. Um, Story of her life. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta start, you know, with some danger uh, to hook you in. And then Max is going to go along with Leslie and Felix um, on a visit to your grandmother. And the, in the afternoon is going to be interesting. Now, I don't know anything about this woman because I don't watch the show. I don't either. I don't remember if they ever talked about a grandmother. And I honestly forgot that Max and Leslie were still together, if they are. Hmm. It's going to be if... Their plan is to make Max and Murphy Endgame. I feel like they have a long road ahead in these 13 episodes to get them together because there's a gulf between them that seems so insurmountable. Oh, no. <laughs> How are they going to get these people back together? I don't know. In my eyes, too, like Murphy is just like so irredeemable. Love her to death. But like, I don't like I'm that's what I'm excited to see is like how they manage to tie all this together because there's so many loose threads and this show is really keen on a cliffhanger so i'm hoping maybe they knew i don't i haven't heard any word out of this show if they had planned a series finale but i hope i mean i think i said i'm on record saying that ending on a cliffhanger is a serve i think i'm quoted as saying that (laughs) (laughs) so maybe like a cliffhanger wouldn't be bad just to know like oh the story's gonna keep going but like one of those like cliffhangers that has closure in it too, if you know what I mean. Yeah, like um, Batwoman 
um, the way the season three ended, I would argue um, that some fans do see it as a cliffhanger because, you know, you have the villain walking out. The villain that would have been in season four walking through the flames and you don't know who that is, um, though we suspected it was um, a Batman Beyond villain whose name is escaping me right now. Uh, Blight. Blight is his name. Yes. Uh, but um, but everything else, like the character work was sort of tied up, like Alice um, is on a new path. Mary is on a path of redeeming herself, even though she might not have been the one to kill the hunter. Luke made it past his um, issues with the suit. And like Ryan and Sophie are together. So like they had story to keep moving forward, but it, uh, it ended in a way that you could move past. You could be like, you know, just another day in Gotham. So perhaps with In the Dark, it'll be just another day with Murphy. Um, <laughs> drama. <laughs> like, I, I don't know how much more trouble she could get into if there was going to be a season five, but I'm sure she'll find a way. <laughs> uh, so, but I guess this would be a warning to say, like, if you're into In the Dark and you don't like cliffhangers, perhaps still prepare yourself yeah. for a cliffhanger. That way you're not caught off guard if, um, if something isn't tied up in a way that's satisfying. I'm sure it'll happen. And now launching into shows that we know nothing about for the summer. Um, there is Wellington Paranormal season three, which will premiere on Wednesday, June 22nd. Um, it's based on the characters from what we do in the shadows and is created by Jermaine Clement and Paul Yates. And the executive producer is Heiko Watiti. Um, this is one I've of the shows. Seen, I've never okay. heard of the show, not to interrupt you, but like, I'm seeing these names and I'm like, I know these, some of these people. And I'm like, how did I not? It's like season three. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an, it's an acquisition. Is it so, the first like, time it's on CW? Um, no, I believe it, it was, uh, came on last year. Well, well, I don't know where I've been. I don't, I don't know. I only know it because <laughs> like I started writing like schedules for um, CW on hidden remote. And I was like, you know, I don't know if I've seen a single commercial for you on the CW at any point, but Mm-mm. perhaps you are out here thriving. Um, I mean, but it's about like investigators. Like it's one of those half hour series, which, you know, the CW actually could do with more of those, but ones that are in-house and not acquisitions. Uh, but the first episode is called The Invisible Fiend. And I'm going to assume you pronounce that Minogue and O'Leary go after monstrous invisible forest. And then the following new episode would be Tay Amaro. Um, so after they find footage of a camper being abducted by a large hairy creature, the cops decide to head for the bush. And Sarge believes it to be Amaro or a Sasquatch type creature from Maori mythology. Maori mythology, sorry. <laughs> sounds like an interesting time. <laughs> yeah, it sounds odd. Um, but I think this is also a comedy. So in uh, paranormal comedies can be fun. Um, if you're into it, it'll be, again, premiering Wednesday on June 22nd. Then, okay, uh, this is an acquisition that boggles my mind, and I feel like it's just left over because it was part of the li- licensing agreement. But Devil Season 2 is hitting the platform on Thursday, June 30th, and I don't think anyone who watches the CW would ever be like, you know what the network needs? A financial conspiracy thriller. No. What? <laughs> <laughs> And the, the fact that it's called Devils throws me off because I'm like, yeah. oh, we got some like horror sci-fi. And then you're telling me that season two is about Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> like this is a show about banks and, and um, uh, 
Patrick Dempsey is in it. And I was like, is that the draw? Is that the, they thought was going to be the hook and people were just going to tune in? Um, Because I am, I'm lost for words. I really thought when I read Devils that it was going to, like you said, you know, supernatural horror, we're like going around with some creatures. And that is, that's, that's not what's happening. Um, But it will be on the CW. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know much about it, but it will be on the CW. It will be there. (laughs) Uh, but something that does make sense though is so mysteries decoded is going to come back with new episodes on wednesday july 6th Uh, this is an investigative documentary series um led by jennifer marshall who is an accomplished uh u.s navy veteran who turned into a private investigator um in her second career it's really weird like she uncovers the truth about things like Area 51 and the Salem Witch Trials um, and like unsolved mysteries that people have been asking for like decades or in some cases centuries. Uh, So it's very like if you're a conspiracy nut, this is the show for you. I feel like it does sort of fit into the little house of the CW's weirdness. Um, So, and I also want them to have more docuseries. I know they did um, March in the fall, which was about the HBCU marching band. And so having now a mystery is one too. Perhaps we should expand that wheelhouse on the CW. Yeah, it's a, it's a. Um, I keep saying the word interesting, but it really is an interesting pivot because you see a lot of these like documentary series have gained popularity on like streaming services, and obviously they're they've been popular for years on cable. Like you can spend a whole day watching like one of the what's it called like unsolved mysteries or like mm-hmm. ghost hunters. What no? What's that show about the ghost hunters? Oh, the BuzzFeed Unsolved? No, I don't know what uh-huh. it is. But okay. um, if I think of it, I'll shout it out like half an hour in the future. <laughs> It'll come to me. Um, but it's, you don't see a ton of them on network television. So mm-hmm. we're seeing more of these like weird, strange, little left of center for broadcasts, um, either acquisitions or just like new series just for, because they're trying to keep up and, I think specifically uh, this one fits in pretty well with the CW. Yeah. And that's why I would like more like this. Sometimes it feels like when you look at the CW schedule, we're just throwing spaghetti at the wall and trying to see what sticks. Um, And I'm just like, I I want more of a plan going forward for whatever the docuseries are going to be. Um, And I said March was in the fall, but I think that actually premiered in the winter that might have been January I can't remember at this point but if they had one for each season I think that would work out really well for them before it like drove me crazy for the rest of this episode I had to look up what the ghost hunter show was and it's called <laughs> ghost hunters oh was it you were right the first time I, it doesn't seem real to me I feel like my brain's making this up um well, well there we go ghost hunters okay well <laughs> <laughs> mystery solved <laughs> Mystery um, Decoded. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, so at last pod, I was like, I don't know when Coroner Season 4 is going to be. I don't think they announced it, but they did, actually. So um, it was announced in the fall schedule. So they bumped it from from um, the June 2nd slot because Legacies uh, airs new episodes. Oh, today. I'm recording. Legacies <laughs> airs new episodes. Um, and they're not finaling until June 16th. Uh, and so I guess they just didn't decide to put Coroner on right afterward. They just moved it to the fall, which I guess is fine. It's an acquisition. So sure. they can move it around if they want to. Yeah, no harm. 
Um, and that that's it for the summer read. Um, that that's what we have to look forward to on the CW. Can't wait. <laughs> I know we sound so jazzed right now. We're just so much excitement in our voices for the summer <laughs> on the CW. It's, it's it's lacking a little bit, but I mean they're providing content. <laughs> okay, they're providing content that is like left of center, which when they were doing Dare to Defy, um, that works. But I feel like perhaps we should get in line when it comes to, to the summer. Because um, the other broadcast networks, they have unscripted television, keeping people entertained until they bring their scripted TV back. And I'm like, CW, where are you with your unscripted television? Why is this the summer schedule? What would they... Have they made anything unscripted besides like March or like the weird little comedy magic shows that air on Fridays? So they had um, Beauty and the Geek at one point Mm -hmm. um, years ago. And that was a reality dating series when everyone was very much into like, it didn't matter what drama you're watching. There was always a pair of what's supposed to be the popular girl and the nerdy guy. And they would get together. um, And so they did a twist on that, but they did it as a dating series. Um, They acquired the Great Chocolate Showdown and it aired, but I don't know how well it did. Uh, And there is a cooking show coming next year in the mid-season called Recipe for Disaster, which will see professional chefs being partnered with cooks that aren't that great in the kitchen and thrown into a situation where like everything that could possibly go wrong will go wrong. Uh, and whoever comes out on top is is crowned master of disaster, I believe. And that sounds fun. I'm just wondering why that wouldn't be a show you would air in the summer. And maybe it will. Maybe they will move it to the summer come 2023. But the thing I want from the CW is if you're going to do unscripted television, um, sorry, non-scripted television, you should move a good portion of it to the summer like everybody else. Yeah, and they don't have there's no like cohesive thread through these shows it's like all different there's cooking there's aliens or i guess not aliens mysteries and chocolate it's just there's nothing they haven't found their niche like i can't believe that like do something like big brother teen or something like do something like way out of the box that people actually tune into because i mean i'm sorry the great chocolate showdown could be a great way to spend an hour every week but is it going to draw in a big group of people when they can turn to the food network or mm-hmm. netflix or wherever else to get a chocolate competition <laughs> i see your point i just uh, i they do need to find their niche because everyone else is doing like cooking they're doing dance they're doing sing singing competitions and dating and like all that kind of stuff and then the CW is just out here with aliens and financial dramas. And um, <laughs> like, and it's just like, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I, I just feel like I don't, I would love to see the numbers when it comes to CW and who was tuning in in the summer. Or if they just out here, you know, quiet until fall television comes back. Yeah, these shows aren't going to start conversations and like, and that was one of their old slogans is TV to talk about who's going to get on Twitter and talk about recipe for disaster. I think I know big brother team just like came to me, but I think that's a really good idea. Mm-hmm. 
And like now we have it on record that it's my idea. <laughs> <laughs> so if we see it in the CW next summer, I'll be like, uh, excuse me. <laughs> like some credit in a bag <laughs> would be nice. But I just think like something like, like Netflix has like The Circle and Too Hot to Handle, which are two completely different things. But those kind of shows that are ongoing, people actively search for them. They look for them. They talk about them. And I don't know. I just don't see Recipe for Disaster catching on. <laughs> It'll be quietly on there for like the cooking folks who you just want to see drama and utter despair. Um, like in situations where like you're on a desert island and a monsoon is coming. Good luck with like making your cake. <laughs> <laughs> type of situation. But I do like Big Brother Team because they could do like that. It would be a way to pull in like Gen Z and then younger millennials because you have TikTok influencers, Instagram mm-hmm. influencers. Uh, you could do teen celebrities that are kind of known but aren't necessarily big names like you're not gonna well Sadie's not a Sadie Sink isn't a teenager anymore but say that was a show that was on that she wouldn't be on it but perhaps like you would um perhaps you'd be able to get some young lady or young man or non-binary person um who is just causing up a storm on social media and the rest of us are unaware of them because we're older and not on those platforms that much Mm -hmm. Big Brother has such a big fan base it's such a big um show every summer on Twitter and I just think something like that would get people tuning in and talking and word of mouth put the fun in the summer sun CW <laughs> I know and if you can't do that with non-scripted television then at least do reruns of CW classics and hold marathons that would be amazing especially with legacies ending throw vampire diaries on and yes I don't know they probably wouldn't be able to make it through I don't know how many seasons they'd be able to make it through but for some people that would be must watch television especially if they don't want to pay for a streaming service but they've mm-hmm. always wanted to to watch the series I mean not that you can't watch them on DVDs um but you know someone might just want to watch it airing yeah, even if it was just like a special presentation of the pilot or the series finale or fan voted episodes that oh, would be fun. be fun yeah, yeah vote on your favorite fun. episodes and we'll air it Perhaps we should be consulting for the CW. I know we're giving away too many good ideas (laughs) (laughs) for free. (laughs) Oh my God. I don't know. I hope like by summer 2023, you know, because we're the CW is in a new era. And if they are sold by then, perhaps whoever takes over will be like, we need to get these. Obviously we need to get these ratings up because we want to profit. So maybe we will have some actual fun in the summer sun. Yeah, it could be a completely different conversation next summer. It could be. I'm doubtful of it, though. But I want to be. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be hopeful. <laughs> Moving on to what we're watching, because at least for what the what we're finishing up the 2021-2022 television season with, we still have Superman and Lois on, mainly because they keep going on hiatus but it's still on and we did watch and like i'm sad to be talking about this without michael i know (laughs) because we got to talk about our queen lana who um she took me by surprise in the latest episode Mm -hmm. um 
let's just say I was not prepared for the anger that was thrown at Lois. I know. I was like, she seemed like she wasn't going to take hold it against Clark too much. Right. Like she was mm-hmm. kind of like, she asked the questions she needed to ask. And she was like, okay, I'm just going to like take a beat. Like we're good, I think, but we're, I need to like not be near you right now. Yeah. And then she just like <laughs> unloaded on Lois. And Lois is like, wait, why am I in it? <laughs> <laughs> like, and it's not that like Lana didn't have points. She was right. Lois, she was making points. She was making points, but I was like, this is still misdirected anger because you can't be angry at Clark the way you want to be. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I I actually really appreciated that because it was, I think I was expecting her to be very hurt and mad at Clark. And we all know that I was like, I don't want to see that. I don't want that three episode arc of her being angry. And they were like, okay, we heard you, but we're going <laughs> to take it somewhere else. So in that, in that regard, I guess I was kind of like, I enjoyed being taken thrown off guard or just like my expectations being subverted completely um but yeah it still was like kind of it hurt to see them fighting like the girls were fighting and I was like no (laughs) I know and I just like there was such a well of hurt in Lana like like deep hurt Mm -hmm. like the um the flashbacks to her in Clark's relationship when they were like kids and teenagers I was like, how are you hurting me in the first, like, two minutes of the show? Not, like, baby them. Like, just, they were so, they seemed like they were probably very sweet. Um, And I could see, like, this is my best friend. And at one point, I was in love with him. And apparently, he didn't love me enough to tell me. I was like, that was a shot. I don't know if Clark deserved that shot. Um, But I I am glad that they were, like, they allowed, the writers let it be nuanced without it also being, like, so be afraid of a love triangle slash like any like interruption between um, Lois and Clark because of Lana's feelings. As like there's very much those are my feelings that were in the past. Of course, in the present, I'm hurt because I remember how I felt. Um, I, there was a there was a distinction there that I appreciated, and I appreciated that like Lois had to say we love you um, to her, and I was like, it's like she's their family, and I love that they talked about that. I hate that they like basically broke up for the next few episodes but (laughs) hopefully like they they patch it up by the end of season two yeah and I have to retract a previous statement where I said that Lana and Clark were kind of like had like a brother sister thing because I think okay I know you were like I don't agree with you and I was like okay well Mm -hmm. then we disagree but I have to say like there were a lot of scenes where their interactions and their relationship felt very just like platonic and supportive and like Mm -hmm. Like, you know, that kind of like closeness that isn't romantic. But this episode, I could kind of, I could see where there's deeper feelings there. Not that they need to be explored or not that it was like super overt, but like her reaction wasn't that of like, it wasn't like a brother sister thing. So I have to retract that statement where I was like, okay, I get it. Now I see it, especially with the flashbacks. (laughs) I was like, there's something deeper here. And it's not that kind of family. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I will say that we did disagree, but I saw your point in terms of um, the way that they, at least from Clark's side, the way that they've written the two of them, it very much up to, there are certain moments where I didn't feel that way, but um, 
where it is very much lives in the realm of platonic um, and, and family. I wasn't getting sibling from them, but I could get like the whatever was romantic between us is dead. Um, though I will say there were times where I was like, Lana, are you carrying a torch? It kind of feels like you're carrying a torch. And then when we did it, when they did um, this episode and they did the flashbacks, oh, she did not quite move on. <laughs> like, um, but it was growing in the sense that she's aware she didn't quite move on, but that has no bearing on their lives right now. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate that. I think one of the things I like about Superman and Lois is that at least in terms of the adults, which would make sense, it's very grown. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say this has nothing to do with anything. It's just a straight thought, but like Kyle and Sarah going through it. Yeah. Like whoever did their wardrobe and everything <laughs> it was very on point <laughs> because there was one scene i was like oh my god are they okay <laughs> <laughs> no they they're definitely going through it um and kyle's sort of like shuffling trying to ask his daughter like is your mom seeing somebody um and i was like you know that is a fair question to ask but i was also like <laughs> it's clark but only because he was she, he was saving her um i just there are so many ways that they could make this into triangles and they're not and i kind of like that that you could see where the road would be to make it a triangle and they haven't i think kyle and sarah to me sort of are parallel storylines um because she, she's she's a lot like her dad and they're both messy um but they have good hearts um and I did like that they subverted uh, when she called, when he called the woman, his former mistress um, at the bar. I said, please don't tell me you're about to fall into her because you think that um, Lana is is dating someone. And I was like, oh, no, he's he called her because open mic night and he wants his baby to have a coffee house moment, which doesn't quite belong on this show. But is lovely this for the her. first time we've seen Sarah's singer songwriter era? Like, has this been established before that she's a musician question mark so i knew she was a singer i can't remember if they told us she was a songwriter um because there was the talent show and um jordan was off saving people from a burning fire and nearly missed um i think he he might have actually missed being able to play for her i can't quite remember if her dad stood up and, and and played guitar so she could sing but we did know she could sing and that she likes she seems to want to have a career in this field it feels out of place though what do you think yeah I was kind of like I didn't remember that that had been established so I was like oh she's suddenly writing a song (laughs) okay (laughs) yeah I like her coffee house era singer songwriter like journey um I'm like this doesn't seem like the show for it um but you know we have to do something with Sarah so I guess that's just what we're doing until she can learn the big secret since her mama didn't tell her well, that's going to be a tsunami. <laughs> it is, especially because like Jordan is like basically vibrating or waiting for someone to tell her. It's just... I don't know. I, I don't do you think know. Jordan's going to spill the beans before the season ends? He might, because like the fact that he couldn't even register that both um, his dad and Lana were hurting by the news coming out, but he wanted to like, so did she tell Sarah? Like, can your dad express being upset that his best friend doesn't want anything to do with him right now before you watch into that he's such a teenager he was like what about me (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and a young teen at that. I keep trying to remind myself that he's 15. And so his we're, he's a 15 year old in love who can't be with the girl he wants to be with um, because of outside circumstances. Cause he would tell her. Um, and so therefore he, he's like, but I just, if I was just able to tell her um, what my secret is, then we could get back together. And I was like, I feel like he's not, he doesn't necessarily need to be logical because again, he's a teen, he's figuring things out, but it's not, I'll tell Sarah the truth and then she'll understand why I, was, why I wasn't around so much. And then we'll get back together because me not being around was the reason why she broke up with me. It's like, she could also just not want to associate with you because you're always going to be not around as much. Like that yeah, is a very possible thing. He's imagining that he'll just be like, my dad's Superman. I have powers too. That's, that's the reason for everything. And she's going to be like, Oh, cool. Awesome. <laughs> that, that makes sense. But it's going to, it's going to be a mess that he's not understanding. Yeah. And I, I'm ready for like the close up on the cry when she does not do what he thinks that she would do when she knows that the truth, especially if she comes out swinging like Lana. And I was like, you didn't tell me and you shut up uh, type of situation, which knowing Sarah, she probably will. Something's probably going to get thrown or broken, but um, she'll write a song and then it'll go viral and it'll ruin (laughs) the family. (laughs) End of season two, she'll be like Haley in One Tree Hill and just get on a bus (laughs) and just leave for a tour. I mean, I can see it. I can see it too. Um, and if she's gone or not around, they'll probably just do more trio adventures between him, Jonathan, and um, her name's not Naomi. What is what is the young lady's name? Natalie. Yeah, Natalie. I was gonna say there's something with an N. Because <laughs> <laughs> they, I didn't follow their storyline. Actually, I was trying to. Um, but it seemed it fun. Not. I was in the same boat. Like I didn't understand exactly what they were doing, but I was like, you guys are having fun. Yeah, it was good. As it was, it was fun, and obviously drama is going to come from it later. But I was like, it's nice to like the angst that's sort of come is angst that would work for them as a trio, and it's not romantic mm-hmm. angst. So I'm interested in that. What I'm truly did not understand was whether or not that was Tao, our Tao that died, or bizarre. Yeah, I was I was so confused because the last that I remembered before that scene was him and superman with the eye beams destroying the pendant thing and then clark like comes out of his like laser eye um days and is like oh he's gone <laughs> <laughs> and then i feel like the next scene that we see tal is back in his um red prison in cuffs dying so i was like wait did i miss something same because and then i was like when did he go back to get his suit because um, he was in, because he was in his his, I guess not prison garb, but whatever he was wearing when he was like um, incarcerated in the DOD, uh, and in the last scene we see him, he's actually in his like his um, his super attire. I don't know, y'all. I'm sorry. I'm struggling for words to describe these outfits because of his <laughs> <laughs> his Krypton look. I guess. Um, and, he like, and then he was, he was dead. Thanks to Allie. I was like, wait, hold on. Is this towel or is this bizarro towel? I am not, you know, I don't have a towel flag, but if that's our towel, he did not deserve to go out like that. Like there should be something no. better. Yeah. Michael's theory is that it's bizarro towel, right? 
Yeah, it is. Okay. And he explained it so well. And I was like, I'm, I'm following the thread. I think, I think, I think <laughs> we're there. hold on to it and you can pull me forward. <laughs> yes. Um, I can see where like maybe they would kill him off because the actor's not a, a lead or not a in the main cast this season, but they've brought him back so much that I'm like, I don't know why you would randomly kill him a handful of episodes removed from the finale. Mm-hmm. Um but even if they did kill him, I feel like in these shows, they, they always bring characters back. And I think it's even though he's, I don't want to speak for every fan, but even though he's a, like a villain or like not the one that we root for, he's a fun character. And I enjoy seeing him for multiple reasons. But um, I, don't, I don't think it's the end of him. But I'm interested. I'm looking forward to finding out exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah, I... Um... <laughs> I hope Michael's right and it is Bizarro Tal because I think our Tal should have had a better last scene with Clark before you decide to kill him. Um, it just seems, I don't know, it seemed like a shocking, a shocking death. Um, again, I, this show hasn't done that. They haven't just killed people just to be shocking. Um, so perhaps it is Bizarro Tal and there was a switcheroo at some point um, and everything will be fine. Let's hope. I don't know. Yeah, let's hope. Speaking of hope, um, Tom Swift, the hope of the network. That's so good. Yes, we finally get to talk about um, the episode in full without like tiptoeing around major plot points. I loved it so much. It's even better the second time. And hopefully it'll be even better the third time because I'm planning on rewatching it again. <laughs> I think I'm already on watch three because I had to do a post um, for Tom Swift. So I'm like, it's just once the coloring was brought in, mm. the Im- improved so much. Um, I think there's so much fun in Tom Swift. Uh, I, the villain is a little mustache twirly. I think that's the point mm-hmm. of uh, the politician of Eskel. Uh, the congressman. I was like, of course, it's the congressman who um, has infiltrated infiltrated um, the halls of power to, for some reason, take us back away from technological advancement. I'm sure the road back is explored um, with more depth in the rest of the season. Um, and of course, it was mentioned in Nancy Drew too. So they are um, a show hopping big bad. Uh, but I'm not. I'm not necessarily interested in them. I'm interested in the Tubman group that his mom wants him to be a part of. Ooh, that's true. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, I think it's a Black Secret Society. Ooh. This show um, has so many, like, layers and, like, oh, there's just so much. And I love it. <laughs> it is, because it gives you, like, there's, like, there's Tom's tech stuff where he's making he's soundproofing shoes and he's hacking into things he's making calls to um i think it was it the president of the university was the dean of somebody uh to just throw away money uh, like just throw it at school <laughs> so he can he can get into um the, the place that he can steal from them uh and it just it gives spy it, it gives fun comedy because he always has a, a quippy thing to say to somebody it also gives you the drama that fight between um zenzi and him there were so many points that were made mm-hmm. Ugh, i keep saying it but i love the show so much it's just if i ever see anything said about it where it's like oh this isn't realistic or like this is too much i'm like 
I don't know. That's the point. Like they're trying to go to Saturn. Like that's not realistic. Like we're not going to Saturn in real life as far as I'm aware. <laughs> so like, I just, I love these shows that are so like absurd and have camp, but have can balance like vulnerability really well. Like just watching it. And I was like, this is exactly like, this was, it feels like it was made <laughs> for with my taste in mind. <laughs> <laughs> because it is, it is giving everything you get sort of the confident as they are constantly saying a swagger filled character <laughs> um who, who has like a good heart and a, but is a little selfish well a lot selfish um um but in a way that like makes sense like of course he has to prioritize himself because other people won't in the way that he needs um it's it's like a it's like a protective mechanism um and when he's put in check by his best friend he realizes like the things that he says like that's not okay I remember when he told Zenzi that um she has everything that she has because she's she was his playmate I was like Oof. and Oof. like the fact that she carried on in the conversation that would have been the end of me you know what we're done talking I know <laughs> <laughs> like oh, every time I hear that line it just like cuts so much it's, ugh. But I, I love seeing a character like Tom because we don't always see a character like that who gets to be messy and funny and vulnerable and just like over the top. And it's, oh my gosh, it's just such a breath of fresh air because so many shows now don't have characters like that. It's so serious and like, I don't know. I just, I love it. Have I said I love it enough? <laughs> <laughs> can actually say that we love tom swift too much because it's it is it's a show that like knows exactly what it is from the out the gate like sometimes you watch pilots and you can tell they're trying to figure it out talking to you walker independence that we haven't seen the pilot but the trailer is enough to know (laughs) that we're trying to figure it out um but like it came tom swift as a show comes in with so much attitude and so much innovation um, that you can't help but be drawn in. I think he's also, Tom is also a character we do not get to see. He's um, a Black gay billionaire inventor yeah. with um, who has men lining up, you know, to to be with him. And he's like, mm, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. You have his mama trying to set him up, and which is very cute. Like she just introduced them. She's like monogram towels. They would look so good on the monogram. And I was like, mom, <laughs> they just said hello. <laughs> um, and then you get to have, like he gets to be funny and he also gets to walk the line of vulnerability in multiple areas of his life. Um, when it comes to his father and not being accepted to him, when it comes to disappointing his mother because he can't seem to rise to the occasion in the way that she needs. Um, I think even... He doesn't, I don't think he necessarily was bothered by disappointing Zenzi, but I do think that he wasn't okay with her holding him accountable um, in a time where he is very vulnerable. And like, that's a messy emotion, but the way that it was played was really well. I agree. Do you, uh, Tom was my favorite. I think Zenzi will be my second, Zenzi will be my favorite second of school favorite second character i don't know i can't do words <laughs> my second favorite there we go um and everyone else i think they'll have to grow on me yeah i think for me obviously tom is the standout and then i 
I'm obsessed with Zenzi. Ashley has so many like really good moments and line readings. And mm-hmm. I can't wait to see what she does with the character and how she grows throughout the series. Because I love when, she, like, obviously for a pilot, you write a character a certain way. But when you see how the performer interprets that character and you see their strengths, you can write to that. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of um, comedic aspects to Ashley's performance as Zenzi that I'm looking forward to them expanding upon like there's one specific line reading when they're looking at the rocket and like dispersed or something I think it was a rocket or something something was like falling into different mm-hmm. states in the sky and she was like oh no I, only if we had the, the resources to go find them it was like so sarcastic and I wish they would have lingered on her for a little bit more because she really like turned that throwaway sarcasm into for me a laugh out loud moment and um I just I'm looking forward to more of those moments from her but yeah, the rest of the cast, everyone's really great. And to continue that cinema, I can't wait to see how they all grow into their roles and settle in and find their footings. Yeah, I'm intrigued by Isaac, the bodyguard. Mm-hmm. Um, A lot going on there. Yeah, like he's divorced. Um, he, I believe Zenzi said that he was, he's a veteran. Um He's trans. It seems to possibly be into both Zenzi and Tom. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, a lot going on. Yeah. So I want to know more. Um, I think Rowan was the name of the of the bodyguard to the congressman. I want to know how he got wrapped up into the road back. Because that seems like it just did not seem like a place that he would be. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. That's going to be a whole mess. When it was revealed at the end, I was like, ooh. <laughs> like, so I was like, so do you actually like Tom? Or is this going to be those, like, he's trying to get close to him so he can get the information he needs, but then he likes Tom and it becomes Yeah, which side is he infiltrating? That's, you know, that is the question. I don't... Where do his loyalties lie? How we like it's a question. It's uh, we saw the premiere, and I'm just like, will they tell us by the middle of the season? Are we gonna, are we gonna get, or are they gonna do it? They tell us in the next few episodes, and people get suspicious. I hope this is a show that is just like breakneck pacing. Like every episode is like the season finale. <laughs> <laughs> that would actually be really fun if that's the case. Like, like betrayal, romance, like discoveries, revelations. Uh, just like each episode. Yeah, like don't let us, don't make us wait. Just keep getting those reveals going. I want it all. Yeah, I hope um, they find out next episode that Barclay that he has a virus in him. Oh. Poor Barclay. Yeah. yeah. Poor guy. Save the AI. Okay. <laughs> 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 um, moving on to Dynasty. Speaking of billionaires. Yeah. Um, the Last week's episode was, oh my God, so good. This, the... Beginning of the season was a little, um, I mean, it was really good, obviously, but it was a little spotty, but they're really getting into the meat of the season. And before I get into the Fallon of it all, because that's usually what I only talk about, um, but they're finally giving Colhane something to do. He's kind of been for like the past few episodes and honestly for the past few seasons, he's just kind of been hanging at the hotel and he'd jump into other people's stories when they need a a friend to talk to or they need uh, an ally for an episode but he started out this season he wanted to find a wife he was just like randomly was like I want to get married and everyone was like okay <laughs> 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 uh, 
Um, but this episode, he was uh, dealing with his, I don't know if they were officially dating or if they were together, but Sam got jealous that Colhane was spending so much time with her and like tried to use tarot cards to convince Colhane that he shouldn't be with her. And it was a really intriguing story. They do a lot of like friendship, like jealousy storylines on this show, but they always work because it's, I mean, character development. Um, mm-hmm. I was just like, I think one of the things that fans have complained about the most is that Colhane doesn't get much <laughs> material. <laughs> and he finally had more to do than just to be like the confidant. And that was fun to see. Yay, but Cole Heyman. Also, tarot cards as a way to, <laughs> to push him away from somebody. Yeah, it was, I don't know. I don't remember how that came up or why Sam had a tarot deck all of a sudden, but like he was pulling cards and I don't know. I was like, go for it, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, last week I was talking a lot about Fallon's uh, infertility struggles mm-hmm. and kind of being concerned about how they would handle that. And they handled it really well, which I'm very, like, not surprised about. Like, I mean, I had my reservations and my concerns because it's a soap opera. But, um, but yeah, they're going to still try to have their family through surrogacy. And as always, Fallon had a little fun to get to that revelation. She was fighting against um, her dad and Crystal, who were trying to open an airport because of, of course they are. And she, but she wanted the land for her um, environmental company. So she found an endangered tortoise and put it on the property (laughs) (laughs) so that their plans would get foiled. It was really funny. But she ended up having a really sweet moment with Crystal, who she hasn't engaged with a lot, Fallon, in this season. Their storylines have kind of been separate, but they had a conversation because Crystal had, um, uh, pregnancy in season two I think and she didn't have that baby because of something that Alexis did long story Um, but so they could relate on like their struggles of becoming a mother and Fallon was like I just feel like a failure I feel like a failure for Liam that I can't do this and she was like you're not a failure it was a really sweet moment that feels sometimes uncharacteristic for Dynasty but it's like it's those moments that are that make all of the other absurdity worth it because Liz can give you the craziness of putting a tortoise (laughs) into this uh, construction site and then just really hit you in the stomach with something that is really relatable to a lot of people. I like that. gives you layers and they're multifaceted now. Um, And Fallon out of everybody contains multitudes. Mm -hmm. Um, So it is nice that, they were able to have a moment, you know, to really dig deep into what this might be like for her character. And this episode also had, I think, the biggest soap opera moment of the season so far. Like, we've been without, like, huge, like, deaths out of nowhere. Um, But we got one this week, and it was so good. And um, Liam's mother came back. Laura Van Kirk, LVK, and Liz just has the best time with Sharon Lawrence. They have the best, like, uh, tete-a-tetes. They just, like, ruffle each other's feathers and say the worst things to each other. And it's, oh, my God, the scene that they had. It was the best tennis match. You could tell they were having the time of their lives acting that scene. And the things that they said really cut deep. But it was really nice to see Liam take Fallon's side and 
he struggled with that in the past, like feeling obligated to support his mom. But oh my god, it was so good. That's I. Everybody needs to look up that scene. It was so good. They're like in like an airport garage. There's a plane in the background. It's very glamorous. Um, but later in the episode, Adam had been teamed up with LVK again. Um, and she had been taking, she took too many of his like cosmetic drugs or something that he was oh, pushing no. with Alexis. I know it was a mess of a scene. And he was like, uh, you shouldn't have taken all of that. And then she trips because she was like drunk and on those cosmetic drugs and <laughs> falls onto the her stiletto <laughs> and gets impaled and she's out. And then Adam just leaves the room. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. I know you had said like when we were talking that you know there was a big soap death, but I did not. I don't think I was prepared for the drama of of that. Like not just that she's on cosmetic drugs, but she got drunk and then she she's she's always drinking something. I feel like, but yeah, she oh. like trips and she just like falls to the ground, and then Adam like spins her over, and there's just a stiletto coming out of her chest, and she's gone. <laughs> Okay, the coroner that's going to have to deal with her, though. <laughs> like, I know. How? In what world? <laughs> oh, oh, but poor Liam, though. Oh, I don't think there's going to be any love lost, but it was such a major to see her come back. I think this was the first time she's been in the season. It was such a major. I was like, oh, they did that. Like, it's very final season. Like, you kill, like, the recurring villain. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was so good. Uh, May she rest in peace, but like, oh, it was. Fallon's gonna laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Fallon and Liam finally have peace. (laughs) You know, and just in time to expand the family. I know. Oh my God. Is that awful to say? Probably. But she's. She was so cruel to Fallon, though. I won't repeat what she called Fallon, but Fallon got a good slap in before before LBK died. So. He soap opera. They don't do it like that no more. Yeah, they don't. They don't. I mean, I hate to see, like, the feminist in me hates to see it, but, like, it's a soap opera. It's the time and the place. Yes, and, you know, there's only so many times someone can call you outside your name on any genre of a show and the character does not react. It's like, I know that they're supposed to be calm, but I'm going to need y'all to take them outside of their character because <laughs> that happens in real life, too. I know. Like, it, it was very deserved. Fallon earned that one. Oh, well, good for her. And um, I guess, you know, she is at the LVK is what you said. Yeah, her name's Laura Van Kirk, but everyone calls her. I don't know if it's canon in the show. Someone called her LVK, I think, but LVK is what I'm choosing to call her. <laughs> okay, well, she she is at peace now. And she is gone. And, <laughs> and Fallon and Liam will be at peace. Is she like their um, Hiram? Like Hiram died and no one cares. So kind of, but she's not, she wasn't in it as much. She pops up every now and then, like when Fallon or not Fallon, when Liam had amnesia, she like popped in and was like trying to pull um, Liam away from her. And there was another time when she tried to team up with Blake to break up Fallon and Liam. She just, she's like one of those weird, like obsessive mothers who's obsessed with her Mm -hmm. son and just wants to control him. And she just never liked Fallon. And she also pretended to be fatally ill so there's that too and that the trust has just been like broken down between that family <laughs> yeah okay well everybody's at peace now <laughs> like, just, we just peace everywhere she can't uh, hurt them anymore <laughs> she can't 
uh, on to, to new things for everybody else, which um, to cap this episode, uh, one thing that we're not at peace about is the fact that baby Anthony on Riverdale <laughs> exclusively goes by baby Anthony and there is not another Anthony <laughs> on the show. <laughs> Baby Anthony, welcome to your roast. I'm sorry to that poor child, but every scene, in multiple scenes, they refer to him as Baby Anthony. And I'm like, it was cute the first handful of times last season, but it's wearing on me now. Yeah, it's almost as if, like, please tell me his name is actually Anthony. And it's not Baby, then Anthony, and together. Like, you would do, like, it's hyphenated, um, baby Anthony. <laughs> like baby Anthony, like 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 a Martha Jane <laughs> like type of thing. Where like, oh no, his name is baby Anthony. It's like it's all together. You say it together. Like it's we like don't Mary Kate. Do that. Yeah. Mary- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just like um, obviously this week we have Riverdale on another uh, temporary timeout for no other reason than there's just a lot going on and we're a little behind. Um, mm-hmm. But I did watch this week's episode and I had to bring it up on the podcast. I. I think I've reached my baby Anthony limit. We need to resolve this custody battle so everyone could stop saying baby Anthony. It's like, at this point, a very dangerous drinking game. Wow, it's that bad. It's that- it was pretty awful in this most recent episode. It's like, every time they talked about him, that was his full government name was baby Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird, though, because you would think that like, people only do that or tend to do that when... Um, there's somebody else around with the same name. Like, like we had talked about if his name was Tony or they nicknamed him Tony, it was baby Tony. But even then, like context clues in the sentence, we'll let you know who everybody is talking about. I know. Are they concerned that if they just say Anthony, people will be like, who's Anthony? So they have to put baby in front of it so that everyone's like, it's about the baby. I, if that's the case, that that should not even be a concern for them because unless they yeah. think Anthony is like it's it's too grown of a name for an infant, um, and it's like then call him Tony, and also, or just say the baby. Like anybody that's watching Riverdale, Riverdale now, like they know what's going on. Like no one's just popping into Riverdale season six and being let me check this out. Like no one's like if you're watching Riverdale, you know it's like if you're one of the last few fans remaining watching live, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's true. Like, I don't think that should be a concern, but I, I mean, I want answers and I want it to stop. Yeah. Well, I think once the custody battle is like that storyline is done and um, we don't talk about baby Anthony anymore, you'll be free. We will all be free. I'm mean, having to hear it over and over again. Let us hope. It just doesn't seem like the custody battle it's going to be over anytime soon. Like it's heating up in ways that I would never have imagined. <laughs> no spoilers. Oh my God. Reed, I have to like say that is one of the stories. Like there are a lot of storylines that I'm not here for for Riverdale, but the custody battle truly is to me a waste of everyone's time. Yeah. Cause it's like on what grounds does Kevin have to fight for this? I don't know. It's just like, it seems like, I mean, I understand why Tony's like so furious about it. But stop calling your child baby Anthony. Yeah. Like, just, <laughs> just call him Anthony. Because uh, I don't know. I just, 
we'll, we'll hopefully we'll be done soon. I don't like the storyline. I don't. And like having to hear baby Anthony repeated doesn't, doesn't help. And you're right. There are no real grounds for Kevin to, um, uh, demand custody of this child in any capacity. I believe he's not on the birth certificate. And biological father. Is he, but is he on the I thought it was Fangs and Tony. I thought it was too. And I thought he left before baby Anthony was even born. He did. And as a, as a, do y'all have a written agreement? Um, also, three-way family like three parents thing unless like through marriage that does not actually have as far as I'm aware I'm not even sure if that has legal standing I know it's Riverdale but I, I sometimes I'm like I need y'all to at least put us on some realistic track Let me, I'm gonna get into some family law go maybe go to law school and I'll help Tony out though <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like anyone could be like if he's not on the birth certificate you don't have a written agreement and um he left before the child was born he actually does not have any um ties to this child I just think Kevin gets bored and he's like, I guess I could be a dad now. He doesn't know what he wants. And I don't know if that's a, that's a slight on the character or if that is a flaw in the writing. I think it is both. both. (laughs) I do. It's always been a character flaw that um, Kevin doesn't know what he wants. And that's fine. The fact that we're in season six and that's still an issue with no progress. That's not fine. Yeah. Well, this turned into a Kevin roast. Oh, unfortunately, he just took a shot for no. Well, no, he took shots for reasons, but like still. Let that. That's the end of us. I guess we're ending on a do better Riverdale note. And well, let's toast to a to the summer on the CW. Like let's <laughs> let's end on a hopeful toast that maybe it won't be as bad as we think. <laughs> Reed, that schedule is not looking promising. I mean, like, except for the scripted television, some I'm of the. Trying. I'm trying. I'm reaching. <laughs> I mean, you know what? You know what? We could we could toast. We could toast summer improvement. Like, if to you know, what? we can ask. We can ask for for summer improvement. Um. So what? Not ending with a toast. Then ending ending with a request. Yeah, we'll raise the glass with the request, and we'll wait. And cheers. <laughs> oh my god, next year there's no improvement. We probably should like name the episode. There is no sun. <laughs> oh, there's no fun in the sun on the on the CW for the nope. summer. No. Nope. Okay, that's it for us, y'all. Um, I we are the CW Spiral. I am Sabrina. And I'm Reed. Mac will be back in I believe two weeks. So it's us as a duo until we come back to a trio. See y'all next Monday. Bye. Bye.